but prepare for wizardly combat. I want to show you a trick mother showed me when you weren't around. And I'll not try to fast Welcome to Spellburn, a podcast covering the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game and old-school adventuring. It's time to party like it's 1974. Happy late Turkey Day. There's no Goodman Games holiday adventure this year, but there are many holiday adventures of the past to choose from. We review and discuss prior holiday romps with none other than Marzio the Man Muscadera and Mark the Efficacious Indoctrinator in worlds of imminent, uh, the dawn of the dying earth, of course, Bruner. All this and more, and we get to wrap up Yukon. Yukon? Yukon. Yes. So stay tuned for Stel for stay tuned for Stelburn. Stelburn? Spellburn. Stay tuned for Spellburn, guys. But it's first it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hey, but first we uh to change the tone and dial back a little bit for a second. Uh, we do have some unfortunate news. Of course, it's all over social media and probably not in news when people hear this generally. Um, but we got to certainly acknowledge the passing of uh, Aaron Coleman. He was a pioneer in DCC from the early days, not only an early day player uh, and an early con goer, a, a big fan, kind of a super fan in the Google Plus era and the Midwest uh, concerts, uh, con convention circuit, you know, Gamehole Con, Gary Con, etc. Um, he was also uh, just a good dude. Um, not not a close friend of mine, but you know, a local guy that I would always see, and and a guy who would act like you know you were old friends. So uh, Aaron, uh, you know, Aaron went uh, away from us much too soon. Some of you will remember the uh, auction we had for him a few uh, couple years ago or something like that, uh, which was a great thing. We raised a lot of money for him and the family. Um, but unfortunately, um, he's passed. Uh, so farewell, Aaron. Um, and we just wish you the best and wish your family uh, the best um, from there. Um, I don't know. That's that's all I can say. Do you guys have anything else? Cheers. Um, Original Fawford. Yeah. I mean, the original Fawford. There's no question about that. If you saw, if you saw him, you know what we mean. He was, uh, he was always cosplaying Fawford. Yeah. I felt, uh, you know, uh, got to roll dice with him at Gary Con just last year. Uh, that was really a nice experience. Calm guy at the table, steady as she goes and, uh, felt honored to be asked to donate some stuff to that, um, auction. And um, I wish uh, the family, you know, my condolences and, you know, all the best. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Yeah, enough said. Um, So we, uh, you know, 
anyway, family of Aaron, we wish you, uh, you know, love and condolences. Uh, we're going to play a bunch of DCC and, um, you know, split heads with axes and make crazy magic happen. I think Aaron would be pretty happy with that. So um, enough said uh, for now, but you never know. We'll, we'll keep Aaron in our hearts. So uh, having said that, we still want your love, your love and emails at spellburnband at gmail.com. They're trickling in. We're getting a few. There's not enough. We want more. If you're listening to this and you haven't sent us an email, you've been very naughty Mm -hmm. and it's almost December and Marzio knows who's been naughty and nice. So get it together, folks. Um, We have a new regular time. We're going to be coming at you the last Monday of the month at this time, 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, except for next month. It's going to be December 18th because the last Monday is that day, that special day, you know, whose birthday but next month it's December 18th. But after that, we're the last Monday of the month, 9 p.m. Eastern. Burn your spells with us. And we're lastly, time, except that we're not. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, mostly, yes. All our new episodes are back on most of our platforms. Thanks to Judge Jen going to the Sage Patron AI webmaster who makes all magic happen. He invoked the wetware needed to get him back on Google and iTunes and most other platforms, not Spotify yet, but I'm working on it. But uh, so old episodes are there. If you have not, if you're listening to my droning voice and you haven't heard the original Spellburn episodes, those first 30, you really should go back. So do that. Um, And today, last announcement marks the first inaugural official co-hosting of Spellburn for Judge James Posnell, we've upped our beard game at last. And most importantly, we're like, Jeff who? Um, James has already been here a lot. He's done Spellburn a bunch of times. He's done third-party stuff. He's been on a billion podcasts. He's done MCC. He know he needs no introduction. So welcome, James. Thank you. Yes. I've got to get a headshot now with a, like a motorcycle jacket. Yeah, absolutely. Up the right. game here. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it's overdue. It's it's in the bag. It's it's hanging up in the closet. Just gotta I really go gotta stop one. talking, so I'm turning it over to Tavern Talk and we're gonna catch up. I'm gonna start with Judge Jen. Tell us what's going on. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, great timing, Kat. Uh, lots of stuff actually. Uh, we are currently in the midst of all of the Black Friday goodness on the Goodman Games website. I don't think I even have to go into all of that because by the time you listen to it, sorry, it's technically Cyber Monday now. Uh, but y'all are keeping us a job. It's a good way to put it. Uh, a bad thing. You. You guys were crazy this year. I mean, I'm looking at your orders. Do you really need three of these? Pack it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, right, right. Yeah. Uh, no, we are, um, you know, reveling in ugly sweater mode. So, hey, uh, we'll have fun with this one. It's kind of holiday themed ish. Um, as 
far as the rest of, I don't know, DCC stuff, um, we're still doing the Sanctum Sacorum podcasts and um, actually had a game just last night as part of a little team building exercise with the customer service department in the midst of Black Friday. It was perfectly timed. Mm. And uh, yes, Stephen, I'm going to remember some of those comments. Um, <laughs> we're looking at an obscene number of conventions that we'll be doing next year. So stay tuned. UConn, maybe. I I said an, an obscene number that that's more than one usually. Uh, <laughs> I ask with vested interest. Understood. We can talk. Cool. What about you, Julian? Not mm. I mean, you did UConn, right? Yeah, I did. You UConn. and James did, right? Yeah, it's his it's local, local con. Local. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, yes, I got to. Um, I it was pretty excellent. I got to run uh, Blood Snuff, the vampire adventure in Joey Royale's uh, Vampire Blood uh, zine, oh. which was a pretty good time. Um, I did, uh, you know, funnel adventure that I've been working on, and I also got to run uh, WHPA Fairhaven, which. I got to do both my Joey Royale voice and Christopher Walken voice in the same game. So oh, it was what? it was uh, probably terrible, but I had a good time um, nonetheless. That was the uh, best game and, of the con right there for me. Did you think so? I, I really liked it. And yeah, James was playing really that. And it. well, we had and we had two other super DCC players who'd yeah. also been in my blood snuff game and they they knocked it out of the park. And then Josh Burnett was in that game who obviously completely, you know, I mean the four, so the four of these guys were, it was, that was awesome. And that's a game where like, you're basically all GMing sort of like, it's all just free form and very silly. Um, yeah. Great. So it was, uh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly who you want in that game. And we got, and we got to hang out with Josh. I also got to game in Ryan Thompson's, um, uh, or not Ryan Thompson's game, but Larry Hamilton's game with Ryan, like an OD&D game, and that was very funny. Um, ran the table on his adventure till the last 10 minutes, and we almost got TPK. Um, we had a great time, and lastly, played Rune Nation Pilgrimage, a medieval horror game with Don Stroud, the actual Don Stroud. So uh, that, that was a terrific game, um, and uh, very interesting to see a sort of mothership engine in a different format you know, medieval horror type thing and uh, had a blast. I think, I think that's the kind of con that judge Marzio should probably come to more often because it's quite close to his corner of that strange little neck of the woods across the Wait, border up there. that I live on. Yeah. Yeah. Yukon's fantastic. I, unfortunately, because all I do is show for my kids, the sporting events, we had a hockey tournament the exact same uh, weekend in, uh, in Guelph. So I wasn't able to come to uh, UConn this year, but it definitely a, a convention. That I, I mean, I like going there. It's fun, and uh, yeah, been there a couple times, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, this year, I got the chance to go to Origins at least, so oh. uh, I got to see Jen there and hang out at Origins for a bit, run some games, catch up with the crew. But uh, next year, you know, now everything's opening up even more, and uh, 
probably I'm going to try to head to Gen Con for sure. That's a, that's a big goal of mine. I think, I think yourself. If, if you were at UConn, I would bring you to the table and have you do the Joey Royale voice at least. Oh, okay. And then, you know, and then I would, well, hopefully you would just sit there and play with us after that. But anyway, channel my inner, uh, channel my inner uh, Arthur Fonzarelli and do some uh, Joey Royale voice. Yeah. Is that what you want me yeah. To do? yeah. 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 I can do that. That's exactly it. Well, you had a gish for wealth. What the heck is that? Well, it's on Ontario, man. Get your Guelph, man. We had a hockey tournament. We're the fifty-first uh, Guelph tournament champions. Or uh, my my son's team won the whole thing, so that was fun. nice. Oh, yeah, nice! Yeah. Congratulations! Hey, don't thanks. you think? Don't you think you should just like be like, hey, instead of hockey, what we're going to do is I'm going to put all seventy of you through House of Red Doors, okay? And um, <laughs> you know, Are just kind of. Switch it up, right? Because it's not just about athletics; it's also about personal growth and leadership and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Either that, I'm going to go straight Nancy Kerrigan on his knee, and then uh, <laughs> I, he, I won't have to worry about hockey ever again. But uh, actually, funny thing: uh, Joseph Goodman, Goodman Games sponsored his team this year, so they're oh, one wow. of the team sponsors. So, uh, and three of the kids they play DCC for the first time this summer. They started a little DCC group. And no word of a lie, the first three players of the game are those three kids. Coincidence? I think not. Ah. Uh, who knew that DCC led to uh, premier hockey playing ability? Who knew? Ah, it's, wow. It's, it seems obvious to me. Yeah. Uh, now that you look at it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, that's that's pretty good. Is, is there like a special Goodman sponsored name for the team? Like, no, like it, it, in my. Uh, like triceratops on the shoulders? No, they're, they're the Rangers, which uh, they're the Rangers, which led me to like want to have like uh, like Doug drop some kind of hockey ranger, which would be super cool. But I mean, this is just, you know, sponsorship to help pay for some keys for the kids and, yeah. and stuff like that. But like in, a, in, a, in an alternate fantasy world, yeah, I would totally love it if something like that were to happen. The history Get some alternate problem. jerseys going. Yeah, it's, history prof saying like scroll, definitely scroll, hockey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and we're a bunch it of is, bruisers anyway. These these twelve year olds are tough. So yeah, it is X crawl for sure. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Uh, that's pretty great, Mars. You, you got what else? You got any other uh, gossip for us? Yeah, oh yeah, gossip. Not much, you know. Uh, living like a hustler, like usual. A lot of a uh, lot of writing, not a lot of playing. But that's usually the way it goes. Um, mm. Which I don't mind. I, I love doing the writing part. But uh, between uh, what Michael Curtis has me having uh, has me doing, and then my own stuff on the side with Mars Press, it's been pretty busy and pretty fun. Mm -hmm. um, a lot Is of things any... to work. A lot of things to shoot. Oh, go ahead. N any new big projects coming from the from your third party side here? Yeah, well, I have the uh, book of uh, Mighty Peasant Deeds that's uh, mm -hmm. that was funded, and uh, the deck of Mighty Peasant Deeds. So mm -hmm. I compiled every deed I've ever written over the years. As you guys know, right? Everything started with Spellbird, right? Jen, you you know this, right? My my dungeon my dungeon denizens entry, which yes. led me to talk to Joseph <laughs> to, to Daniel Bishop, which mm -hmm. led me to write uh, Steel and Fury. So it's been ten years since that happened. If you can hmm. believe that. So hmm. and kind of like to mark the 10 year, yeah. whatever anniversary of me, you know, getting in the biz, mm -hmm. I decided like, why not go back to the beginning and uh, let's get, let's, you know, look at deeds again. Let's go full bore and get it over with. So there's a, it's a book of 151 deeds. It'll 
Wow. Re- re- be released in uh, in February, if all goes well. If I don't get hit by a meteor, it gets released in February. Uh, if something tragic happens, then then it doesn't. But uh, So that, that's been kind you, of fun. You're really making me want to start going back to the playtesting, which is kind of what started all this a decade ago here. So, right. yeah. Return that's crazy. Rates, right? It's already been 10 years. That's nuts. And... And Dungeon Denizens started as a little side page on Spellburn's website, ends up as a colossal Kickstarter. Coincidence? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> no, we get no residuals, Julian. <laughs> All right, Judge James, do you have any uh, good, uh, tell us about the good times which have rolled? Yeah, man. I was, of course, at UConn with you, and that was great to, you know, be face-to-face and and play some games, and I was in the, your 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 uh, funnel, and that was fun. And then, oh yeah, we got to uh, game with Beckett Warren. That was super. Yeah, fun. Beckett was there too, and his yeah. crew from Cleveland. And um, and that was a wild game. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. And then, of course, you know, uh, Weird Heroes of Public Access. I kind of fell in love. I think maybe oh, with that... the players, you know, but like definitely that it was just like hard. Just everyone's going hard on the humor, and um, it was that was a game. It was a ton of fun. I always, I'm already like, I should make like a a little zine of like, you know, 50 heroes, weird heroes. And it's all these shows, you know, just, you know, character sheets, right? That you can just play if you want to. I don't know. Do it. I'll, let me just speak for Joey. Do it, James. Do it. You must do it. You already said do it to me. because I was like, I love your game. And then, um, and then I, I got to play Netcrawl a couple of times, got to run a couple of sessions of Netcrawl. So kick the tires, get some play tests, get some feedback. Yeah, and that was fun too. You sat in on both those. Yeah, yeah. No, they were good times. That was uh, especially the. Um, I really liked that uh, second one. The, the sun, uh, the morning one. What was yeah, it? Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday morning. So that was like yeah. space. Yeah, no yeah. For the robo. Yeah, apocalypse. the spaceship. It was a star crawl net. Oh, it was completely bonkers. Yes, that was a good yes. time. Yes, and you guys pulled it together, and, and, and that one's that one's gotten a few uh, turns around the the playtest table. So can we can we talk of just the core thing of it? Yeah, sure. It it was a this is a cool idea. You're on a starship that has been taken over by murderous robots, so they cut off the life support, and you have to go into the the cyberverse. You have to jack into the cyberverse to try to beat the robots on their own home turf, which is yeah. a effing cool idea pardon me alana i didn't do that um so um yeah really cool idea i thought that came off really well yeah that's that one's that one's fun i like i like running that one and it's 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 that one's coming into shape real nice the other one was alpha so raw get to see some higher level you know characters playing in that that thing too so it was good yeah and i can't remember oh i got to play cyborg too so the mark bjorg uh uh cyberpunk game a friend of mine was running that too on uh, friday so got to play a lot and then my wife was like hey let's go to my friend's house and would you please play dcc with my friends who have never played any role-playing games before they're in their lives it's like oh this is a huge responsibility so right. <laughs> oh my you God. love and hate those moments yes so i took them to the house of the red doors each kind of one at a time uh, they uh, they got to listen in, so it was kind of a good way to do it because they they don't know anything, and like the first person who's brave, kind of like 
gets people used to how it how what's expected when when it's their turn. And so they killed the first one right away and killed the second one towards the end. And the and the third person, my wife, this is smart. She got through all the way. Mm, mm. Uh, I'm not that dumb. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you're like, yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of playing over the past couple of weekends. So it's it's been nice. Back to writing. Yeah, well, yeah, that is actually really nice. It's it's good to you got to dive back in and keep it fresh so that you can uh, you know recharge and remember why the heck you're keep you know pounding the keys like that, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, hey, some shout outs to some very cool folks in the community. Um, you know, who have organized some cool stuff. Uh, Gilbert uh, Isla had helped out with a charity auction for Reed San Filippo. And uh, we've uh, done over $10,000 uh, on that so far on his GoFundMe. So that's been really good, which is still out there. And I'll link that. Um, RPGA Alliance, the same uh, uh, weekend as UConn, made about 2000 bucks for various charities. Um, they, they do good stuff when they run their cons, which they always do an online and an in-person one also in Canada. So mm-hmm. up in Calgary with my buddy, Trevor Russ. So shout out to Trevor, keep up the good work. And then, um, crawl for the cure happened. I think we talked about it last time. There's the virtual con that he does. Ether meet is going to be on December 9th on their, uh, Twitch or something. And anyway, it's on the website. I'll put it in the show notes. I'm going to run an America game from about 6.30 to 10 Eastern. So come check out some America. I'm going to have a host of total jerks. I mean, wonder the, some elite players. And uh, it's going to be great. So come check it out. All right. Enough of that. We're super late. I think we're late, aren't we? But we don't care. So... We're gonna we can't we brought Marzio and I like even wrote an intro for Marzio, which is kind of hope um, so. Yeah, it's yeah, right. <laughs> Marzio, I think you should read your own intro. It'd be cool. <laughs> no, I will not. You're you're looking at it, right? Um Marzio never critiqued it or anything. He didn't he didn't <laughs> say, Well, shouldn't you okay? So no notes came back. Marzio, uh Marzio, you've probably heard him on Spellburn already. He's, of course, a writer for DCC, winner of a Rodney Award, which was the uh, award to uh, for first-time writers to uh, you know submit an adventure and get it published, which is how he did Star Wound of Abaddon, I believe. Um, and also the author of Death Slaves of Eternity, so controversial that its cover was banned in multiple countries, um, as well as The Shadows About Hope. Veiled Vaults of the Onyx Queen, and of course, the Doom that came to Christmas Town. So here's yeah, a very that's... late welcome to Marzio. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me on. I've only been on here once before, I believe, in the summer in Abaddon, in, in uh, yeah, episode eighty four. Right, it's been a long time. Eighty four. You and I okay. were on together, though. What's that? You and I were on like uh, as guests, like not too long ago, sometime this year, I thought. Yeah, we we did we did oh. one of the ho- you were probably on like one of the big holiday specials when we were all just a bunch of talking heads showing yeah, over think each so. other, like with Haley and stuff like that or something. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the case. I was gonna I was gonna give you guys the business for keeping me off off air for so long, but I guess, I guess I'm wrong. No, no, it's Marzio. Uh, I will have you know that in preparation for this show. I actually came home 
grabbed the hubby and we drove around Christmas town. There you go. <laughs> all the lights. And wow, we have like um, illuminated dinosaurs, which is kind of cool. Cool. Uh, but also a lot of images that come to mind through your adventure. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. The Yeti is probably my favorite. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this is such a good module, too. We got it. We got oh, to mention. That. We got to mention. James, did you do this poll? I, I ran a poll. Uh, I think it was sometime last week or end, end of last week. And and got about sixty or so responses. By far, uh, the Doom that came to Christmas Town was the lead, gaining like having half the votes cast. Um, lots of good things to say about it. Um, I got a quote: uh, "Christmas Town hits all those fantastic nostalgic points, and that seasick crocodile is awesome." David David Jeffries. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny how it all came about because uh, we were in like in the middle of the pandemic and uh, and Joseph, I, I pitched something to Joseph and he's like, you know, the world's upside down. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm not accepting any. We're not doing any writing or anything right now. And that, that was probably like in March. And then sure enough, in, in August of that year, uh, he contacted me and he's like, would you like to do one of the themed adventures? And immediately I'm like, oh, bro, I'm doing I'm doing Halloween for sure. Right. And he's like, yeah, I, I want you to do the Christmas adventure. Uh, and the only thing I ask is that you keep it light um, because, you know, the world's been a disaster. So just keep it light, lighthearted and do the Christmas adventure. So obviously my first response is no, right? there's no way I'm going to do the Christmas <laughs> adventure. I mean, I never told him that, but that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I had just come off Death Slaves and, and uh, Star Wound. And now you want me to write some, you know, whimsical fancy adventure and uh that, that like immediately that was my thought right but then i'm like of course i'm gonna do it and uh i remember it's august we're having record heat wave up here in canada and i'm in the pool right thinking wintry thoughts having my children read christmas books to me um and it's like i don't know it's over 100 degrees right fahrenheit for you guys <laughs> right it's uh <laughs> nice. it's boiling here and, and uh, that whole adventure was written like in august of that year so uh, it was kind of cool because the kids helped me out, right? It broke out all the, the Christmas books and they would read it. And uh, I would write down things that I would, you know, want to incorporate in the story. And then we'd watch the the, the Christmas movies. And, and that's kind of how it came about. So I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. It was, it was a lot of fun to write. Can you, can you list the Christmas movies and, and specials that this is kind of a conglomeration of for those who aren't familiar? Yeah. So um, I know... Uh, it's for sure, obviously, Rudolph. Um, it's a Christmas story because I incorporate the Red Rider. BB Gun becomes the Red Rider, repeating crossbow. Um, yeah. Frosty. Um, oh, my God. What's another one? Uh, with the SD Kluger and those guys dance around. Christmas story? I thought Christmas uh, came to town or something like that. I went through like a blur of Christmas movies. Um, another one that I found out was Halloween is Grinch Night. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. It's called Halloween is Grinch Night. And that's where I got the Gree Grumps and the Hack and Cracks. I got all these creatures from this uh, crazy, like, 35-minute YouTube. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. And mm. It's called Halloween's Come to Grinch Night. But my favorite part is, of course, uh, I drew from uh, Robert E. Howard, <laughs> the people of the Black Circle. The opening read aloud to the players when they're in uh, Santa's Castle 
is, you know, almost word for word from the opening paragraph of People of the Black Circle. But instead of the king of uh, Vendia dying, uh, I think his name's Bunda Chund, it's Santa. And instead of the Devi, Yasmina, it's Mrs. Claus by his bed. And because, you know, good writers borrow, great writers steal, right? That's yeah. that's just a rule. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I kind of took that opening scene and I turned it into a Christmas town. And that's where the whole adventure started. So I had to incorporate cool. little Ari Howard Christmas style. It was it was noticed uh, today also on Facebook. Uh, someone posted the Christmas Town uh, map or the Chris, you know, the area of, of Christmas Town, and uh, they noticed uh, that the Forlorn North was was labeled on the map, which is a call back to what module? Uh, lot, the time one. Uh, oh uh, the frozen Some, in time, right? In time. But I also picked out another reference to frozen mm. in time. Do you 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 wrote it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about the palm sized gold disc that the Neanderthals, if you meet them, uh, the yes. the traveling band of Neanderthals or yes. whatever. You want, like, oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a random encounter with some Neanderthals, and one of them has uh, Ze- uh was it Zeph Zeph uh, Null Eleven's uh, disc mm. or whatever mm. uh, to open the doors in his in his place. Yeah, yeah. And if you're kind to the Neanderthals, they'll trade it with you because they have no idea what it is or it's shiny and um, it's one of the cool things. Yeah, there, there was some fun uh, random encounters in that adventure. One being a pole that you're uh, that uh, just a, a random metal pole sticking up out of the ice that compels you to want to lick it. Um, <laughs> a Christmas story. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, yeah they, I mean, I, in a lot of things I write, I put in a lot. You know, to be honest with you, there's a lot of callbacks that I throw in almost everything I write, including people, places, people um other adventures uh i just think it's a cool way to kind of like make dcc all one thing without actually making a dcc world right so there'll be calls to a punjar or you know something to do with x crawl or or something right in- including people like i had a figurine in uh oh what's it called uh that sleeps of eternity you can find a uh a, a figurine of a a crow with a crown with the initials uh you know Daniel J. Bishop's initials on it because he's the Crown King, right? That's the Crow King because that's his. Uh, so or or a, a a a gem, purple gem shaped like a duck, right? For yeah, purple duck games and all that kind of stuff. So I'll always do stupid stuff like that. I think it's just fun. It's so much fun when I'm writing, and if people find out, like, I don't know, the map of here's one that broke here. Breaking news on Spellbird: the map of the Veiled Vaults of the Onyx Queen is the is the, the Vatican. It's the actual map of the Vatican that I hmm. turned into the Veiled Vaults beyond hmm. Onyx Queen. So, and I was there this year, and I I hit a copy of the Veiled Vaults in the Vatican archive, in case anybody ever goes there. <laughs> wow! Did <laughs> yeah. Now, back up. Uh, there's I see in our notes somebody has uh, somebody else can ask this question, but Veiled Vaults of the Onyx Queen does it also have a callback to another adventure? Uh, yeah, Veil Vaults, I think uh, it has a callback to, oh my God. Uh, was it Stephen Newton? X Crawl. Like you can, uh, you can, uh, if you stumble into, I forget what the, the thing is, it's some kind of plant that makes you travel and, and take on other lives or whatever in the underworld. Anyway, uh, you wake up with strange visions, and one of them is like an arena combat and something crazy called X Crawl. Another oh. vision you can have is, uh, um, 
yeah, uh, being on a boat hunted by a creature, and that's of course oh, for Stevens, uh, sc- yeah. creep, scra- scrag creep, uh, right. the dragon glass through the dragon wall. Um, also a, a place, uh, a purple strange purple planet for purple planet. You know what I mean? So there's a bunch buried in there um, all the time. Ah, very nice. That's really fun. Just yeah, the continuity. It's just you know to be honest with you, uh, yes, that that you're right, but like it's just fun to write. I don't know when you're sitting there and you're trying to think of things to, to put in your adventure. It's kind of cool to like add in, you know, and even things you will never know, like some of my buddies' names and, and weird things show up in these adventures, right? That the only they, they would know. But you don't try to shoehorn it in if it fits in natural and it, and, it, and it's pretty cool and it works. Then why not, right? Yeah, you, you take your inspirations from wherever they come, right? And and oh, absolutely, real, yeah. real life and relationships and the games you're playing uh, are certainly definitely uh, valid subjects and valid things to bring in. Yeah. Are and you? I know for me, we, I've talked about it before. Like the gaming radar is always on. It's always been on for me. My wife thinks I'm nuts, but like, is it gameable goes through? Like, that's the question my mind asks on its own oh, yeah. for everything. Oh yeah. For everything. Mm-hmm. Is it gameable? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, so when Joseph literally asked me to do the Christmas adventure, I had thought in my own mind years ago that that entire Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is an adventure. Like these guys, like they meet up, they have to go do a quest for the for the Isle of Misfit Toys. They're on a literal adventure. They have a random encounter that they hide from. It's like this is a, a D&D adventure, really. Um, so it's kind of cool. Along that line, can you tell us about the new spell in the appendix? Oh, the spell is uh, Dentalmancy, which is uh, <laughs> from the uh, Dentalmancers of old. Um, yeah, so th- obviously one of the iconic scenes in the movie is they remove the Bumble's teeth, right? The, uh, the Abominable's teeth. So I wanted to incorporate that somehow in the adventure. So why not create the spell Dentalmancy? And uh, um, <laughs> which, uh, if I can read, I'll, I can read off a couple of the... Got some wild effects. 14. Yeah, got some... Pr- What's that? 14. That's a, what'd you say? Give me a 14. Oh, 14. Yeah. Black Tooth Grin. Black Tooth Grin, which is a callback to one of my favorite bands, Pantera. And Dimebag Daryl's favorite drink is the Black Tooth Grin. The Black Tooth Grin is 14. The target's teeth become permanently stained yellow black. The gums continuously bleed and the teeth twist into a crooked grin. And it causes a minus in personality modifier. So there's all kinds of stupid things like spinning chiclets, Golden Grill, Cheshire Smile, Colgate Smile. And uh, it's one of those spells where you can move up and down on the chart because I needed you to be able to land on Toothless uh, Grin in case, uh, or spinning chiclets in case you wanted to remove uh, the the uh, Bumble's teeth. So I made it one of those spells that jumps up and down. And of course, once you save Hermie, he gives you as one of your... Uh, as one of your rewards for, for saving him or whatever, he gives you the spell dental, Nancy, in the form of a book, which, uh, you know, he carries around that dentist book through the whole movie or the whole show. So who knew? Uh, Marzia, tell me, give me a favorite, give me another favorite holiday adventure you love. You know, uh, the thing in the chimney by, uh, the thing in the chimney by, uh, Daniel J. Bishop. I ran that, um, probably one of my first DCC games I've ever run. Uh, the first DCC game I ran was the Mysterious Tower. I just I know it was for three point five. I think Joseph Goodman wrote it, 
but I changed it into DCC rules. Like I wanted, you know, mighty deeds and the spells to work, the magic to work the way it did. But the, I think the first official game I ran was uh, the thing in the chimney at Christmas time with my family and friends and uh, a lot of fun. Sentient fruitcakes. I'm pretty mm. sure he's got Keebler elves in there, which is super cool. Gingerbread, yeah. killer gingerbread, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's it? Tinsel spiders, man. Yeah. Tinsel, yeah, man? yeah. Oh, and, uh, that was a lot of that was that was a fun adventure to run and uh and that one's always stuck with me I, I, old god's return is good there's a lot of good holiday adventures but uh that's kind of one of my first uh you know official dcc adventures i've run and uh and it, i like the way it was written or whatever i got a lot of ideas about charts and the whole what's in my stocking kind of thing mm, is like uh, something i do in all my adventures random things uh so uh, yeah, that's a good one. If anyone, if it, I think it's in Perils of Cinder Claus now, it's it's yeah. compiled with another one on Drive Through. If you want to get it, yeah, um, yeah. I suggest yeah. it's a fun one. There, there are two, there are two adventures kind of packaged together in there, and uh, they're both good. That they both feature the chaotic fruitcake, uh, and yeah. which is a chaos being from beyond, e eternal, immortal. Uh, chaos being from beyond and uh with an evil agenda with Never an evil yes. agenda and oh it's it, it just i'd almost read you the passage but go buy the damn thing and read it for yourself so it's it's, it's funny because that's a lot of uh rankin and bass rudolph the red nose reindeer mm -hmm. references too absolutely yes oh yeah yeah absolutely and hey uh marzio this has been awesome we're gonna we're gonna move it along because we still have another guest to go we're gonna go down to the crypt we're going to visit Kojo's email and our friend, the zombie, Amarzio, look away. I know you've experimented with the depths of horror and Clark Ashton Smith, but this is this this kind of horror can bring even a hockey coach's uh, eyes to deep, <laughs> regretful tears. So please, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be responsible for any, okay. any uh, trauma. Anyway, you've okay. been warned. Uh, both viewers and listeners, and here we go to the email zombie. Tell me now what could it be that calls us so incessantly onward to a haunted shore? It's me, the email zombie. Alana, you keep bringing these losers to my crypt. I don't know why, but welcome, new guy, and welcome, Jen. Maybe you guys should join me here. You will one day, but not for a long time, I hope. I'm, sure I'm just here to clean up after you. Fair enough. This hey, is a I terrible part of the job. You didn't tell me this was going to be required. I, I do the dusting around here, so don't, you know, don't look too hard. All right. Look, DM Kojo is the best Spellburn fan ever. Even when <laughs> Spellburn was undead, he's still writing us emails. DM Kojo, you are truly a necromaniac. This email's from DM Kojo. Greetings, judges. I've been running DCC for nearly 10 years, and as you know, it is my favorite RPG. That being said, there's one particular area that I have traditionally struggled with. The amount of metagaming that is inherent in DCC system, mostly in the form of luck and spellburn. 
I've always tried to minimize the amount of metagaming, which is knowledge about the game that is used outside of the scope that the character, well, we know what metagaming is. Okay, to be fair, I don't think that it's possible to keep metagaming, metagaming out of RPGs, but that has always been a goal I have strived for. Then comes DCC RPG with its string of character choices that embrace a level of metagaming I was not accustomed to. I missed with my sword strike. Should I spend the luck or make it hit? If so, how many points do I need to spend? I missed two on my d20, or I'll spend it. The encounter is important, so I spellburn 20 to gain an automatic crit result. All that stuff, right? I ended up with a spell check of 24, but I want 25. I will spend a luck. You see my point? To a judge like me who feels metagaming takes away from role-playing, this is problematic. On the other hand, these decisions are the core of DCC design and can lead to amazingly fun interactions. So what is a conflicted judge to do? Help me spell burners. Okay, new guy, you go first. Wow. <laughs> I, I felt like you really channeled Kojo with the, the reading there. I, I, Kojo and I, he visits the crypt. What happens? Nobody knows. I don't tell. <laughs> I don't crypt and tell. New guy, what do you, what, tell, tell Kojo what you think. Okay. Well, uh, it's something that, that I think a, a judge should prepare themselves for. And I think uh, it's something I've kind of experimented a, a time or two. But the boss fight, everybody kind of, you know, muscles up for the for the boss fight, and they spend all the all the points. And I think the right thing for a judge to do is concoct uh, difficulties and uh, for leaving the dungeon crawl after the big bad. It's not just oh everything, collect the treasure and walk out. Um, um, you know, make for a more interesting uh, uh, you know escape from the dungeon and. Uh, they'll be really bumming them, you know, hurt, you know, kicking themselves when they have to uh, make luck checks, or they have to make saves uh, for reflex or 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 stand or for fort saves, and they have a negative three or or, or something like that, that that to their roll, or they have to roll under a five. Uh, you know, don't don't let them kind of don't let the boss be the end. Uh, kind of keep keep the choice kind of clear and in front of them that. Uh, you could do that, but you know you're going to pay. So that would be my my advice on if you really want to keep it, keep them a little honest about what they're spending, or you can just ignore all that stuff and and, and let them roll the dice and have some fun because that's what you're here to do anyway. Judge Jen, what say you? I say, uh, Kojo, suck it up like the rest of us, or. Uh, you could also look at it as stats are resources to these characters, the same way gold is. I hear so many game masters talking about wanting to separate their characters from their gold because they've given them too much treasure. Well, let them spend their luck down. It is a finite resource. Let them spell burn and then hit them with something else that also hits their stamina. Uh, that permanent loss of hit points from the modifier changing is going to be a game changer. Yeah, I think the stats are are kind of a mini game, and maybe DCC's mini game is, is stat expenditure. They don't control all of their stats. 
So just remember that you have some play in there too. Yes, 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 yes. And there are even people like Jeff Gold who started spell burning gigantically at the beginning of adventures to reap the rewards for four hours. <laughs> so there is only one solution. You're both wrong. Let me, zombie, tell you the zombie answer. You must replace player agency with player urgency. Make it hurt. Make it hurt at the beginning. Make it hurt at the middle. And make it hurt at the end. Keep hurting and going after those players and make them burn all the luck and all the stats and all the spell burns from the very, before the very first encounter, even in the introduction. Judge Steven has funnel guys getting executed in the very first encounter of the Feast of the Gobbler Witch. That's the spirit, Judge Stephen. So there you have it. Kill them often and kill them early. Dead man can't spells or luck. Or dead women or dead, you know, dead corpses. People, people, corpses. Yeah, okay. All right. And kill more of them. We need more email zombies. We need yeah. more emails, yes, because I I know. And by the way, the emails are coming in pro-zombie, so if you disagree, you better send us some stuff. All right, that's enough. I've had it with you. You're polluting my crypt. Well, I'm. Uh, I apologize for that. It, he seemed, even for even for him, he sounded a little dyspeptic. Um, I, I saw that. Um, you know, Judge James and Judge Jen are are pretty rattled, and uh, you know, I don't. I don't go down there. You know, I'm always like, boy, you know, I don't go down. I don't see why you guys would go down there. I don't go down there anyway. You're too um, good for that. Yeah. Well, we I mean, yeah. You know, I I've got. Cats to take care of and stuff like that. Anyway, hey, we are we're back. We have a new guest. Judge Mark needs no introduction as he has joined us for Vancian Spellburning just a few months back. He marshals the Goodman troops in all things Vancian. He makes sure that we're provendered and have our battle hooks at the ready. Um, he's obviously done a lot of projects, including Dweller Between the Worlds, Mind Weft of the Moonstone Palace, and of course, Twilight of the Solstice from 2016 so welcome mark it's great to have you on the show again and a twilight of the solstice is an extremely unique adventure it's not just one of the earliest holiday adventures but so, it has... we're here to talk to you about something that you wrote almost a decade ago right. um, yeah, what your uh... inspiration was <laughs> I was having to refresh my memory on this one. This is a this is a while back. It's my first Goodman Games project, so um, I was, really? at the time, you know, super excited, and still am whenever I write something. But um, that was a big deal for me. Tell us, so talk. So it's the scratch off thing, right? And it yeah, it, it came with scratch off cards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea was that. 
your characters are sort of evolving as you play the adventure. And it was part of the challenge, you know, that you didn't know what your stats were. And that was kind of the original concept that I came up with. Um, and then I was pitching ideas to Joseph and, you know, he kind of took it to the next level. He said, hey, why don't we do something like this, you know, where we actually have actual scratch-offs. And, you know, that was the first, I think, iteration of what became you know, the zero-level scratch-off things. And it was it was fun to see how that started. I remember the playtest for that. They were like all done up as presents and we'd yeah. open them. I, I, I dug out my my That's my presents. It's my little. This is what oh. I for my playtest. I had a little uh, gift box that I wrapped, and inside you could you know you punch off little, little numbers and reveal the stats. And so my my idea was why not make it a real holiday? You know when I was uh, doing stuff, and this is actually before I think before I even you know got the gig. It was just like my concept saying. Hey, let's uh let's kind of have some fun with you know the idea of opening presents at holiday time, and I like the holiday adventure so much to that point. Um, and that's eventually what you know came, became the scratch offs. That's wow. so, Mark. You, you can't uh, listeners, you can't see it, but Mark's actually got like a gift wrap box with uh, <laughs> with a character sheet like pasted on. It must be a blank sheet, right? Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a made up one that's got numbers like for each of the little boxes, right? So you'd roll a die. And you would be able to reveal that thing. And then the when you punched it out, it would actually, you know, underneath it, there's another character sheet that actually has the real stats under it. And so the, you know, it was just kind of this like gimmicky thing I did for, you know, playing around with my uh, my in-person games that I took. So I think I took it to North Texas um, later yeah. on. And that's where I did my my first playtest for the module. But yeah, it was, I was, I was, I still am, but I think back then I was into a lot more of the let's play around with the concepts of props and, you know, sort of like things like that. And, you know, how can we extend it beyond just the the narrative, just beyond the text? Um, and so I was really happy when, you know, the product came out with those, those wonderful scratch off sheets, even, you know, I think they got, they got better used for the zero level stuff that they eventually, you know, got, got mm. produced as, um, mm -hmm. but I had a hand in that too. That was kind of fun thing to like carry this forward and, and make the zero level scratch offs too. I got to say this is a uh, higher level. Fourth. Yeah, this is a fourth level adventure. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, the genesis of that was I had seen the the uh, holiday adventures to that point they were first level, second level, third level. And so I thought, well, of course you have to make a fourth level for the fourth level adventure. <laughs> Even though at that time, you know, it was probably maybe a stretching it a little bit to get um, all those concepts in place and make it such a high level adventure. Um, but yeah, it's this fourth little adventure. It's it's a real challenging adventure. Um, mm. I don't think any of my playtests actually made it to the whole end without uh, TPKs. So. It has a real hey. tournament like feel vibe. You know, it could easily work as a tournament, right? In in a certain sense, and then yeah, yeah, I think so. I I that's actually a good point, James. It's um it's a long adventure. You know, definitely not one that I think it'd be really hard to fit into a, like a four hour convention slot. Because you have a little bit of a lot of you know options. There's a lot of combat you know, opportunities and things like that too, um, and some puzzles. You know, some, like the usual things I like to throw in there. So, no, there's definitely puzzles, and I just want to say, if I'm going to North Texas or wherever it might be, Origins, Yukon, etc., and I and I see Bruner walking that, and he's got a big pile of presents that he's. I'm like, hey, I'm playing with Bruner, and then I see this guy. Is is and Mark, if you can't see him, you know he's the nicest guy, very mild mannered, and always you know well groomed. Unlike most DCC people, he's always like 
nicely, nicely put together <laughs> and everything. And he's walking around. He's got this big stack of presents coming. And you're like, that's my table. I'm I'm going over there for sure. Um, yeah. You're going. You're, <laughs> yes. Mar- Marzio's waving at me from the green room. Like, I'm nicely groomed and well put together. Yes. Yes, you are, Marzio. I absolutely are. So, um, yeah, no, the, are there, what I want to know from somebody who works near or in the warehouse is, do we have more scratch-offs out there still around, available? Are they? The like zero level? levels? No, the fourth level? Oh, for those. Um, I haven't come across anything tied to Twilight uh, in years. I think mm-hmm. I picked up my copy with scratch-offs unopened, like, I don't know, like eBay or, or something like that, a, a number of years ago. Hmm. After well, I, I, st- I still have, you know, maybe a few extra ones and I'll bring some to GaryCon. And if you find me and I still have them, I'll, I'll pass out, pass you out a sheet. Uh, anybody who listens and, and needs an extra copy of a fourth level scratch off. How about that? Ooh, that's how you heard it here first. Go to GaryCon. <laughs> By the way, getting in GaryCon gets really harder and harder every day, but um, it's sold out. Another, it's sold another, out. Sold out silver badges. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just it's a monster. Anyway, we're not we're not going to talk about that. Um, uh, are but we do have do we still have funnel scratch offs, Jen? Oh yeah, yeah. Zero cool. levels for both DCC and MCC. Cool. Boxes and boxes. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I should yeah. do. You st- do we sell those at the booth and stuff? I'd love to get a bunch yeah. of those. Oh yeah, yeah, we do. Oh, uh, cool. They they also come with the first time fan kits. Yeah, cool. So um. And by the way, we should mention, Mark, um, because it's, it, of course you did, there is a whole key to how to play the adventure in an emergent style without the scratch-offs in the adventure. So if you get the PDF or blah, 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 and you don't have the scratch-offs, you can, you can still do the same style, uh, you know, without scratch-off. Replicate that experience. Yeah. It's just I, you don't get to do the, you know. I, it's, it's, yeah, is that PDF the same ones that are in the scratch off or are they different or? No, the, the PDF we consolidated down to, I think, 10 random characters. I think the scratch offs had a, had 40. So mm-hmm. there's a lot more in the scratch off production that are just you know, more randomized, right? Because 10 just wouldn't be enough for, you know, for, for a random table. If you handed out the sheets, 40 was the number we settled on just to make sure that if you had a table of five, that's unlikely you're going to have a you know as many duplicates that way. Um, or if you did, you could always grab another one. It would be unlikely to get another duplicate. So yeah, mm-hmm. so there's a lot more in this if you have the physical version. But you can like uh, like Julian, like you said, we have a PDF in there that basically says you know use these ten pregens. Here's the mechanic on how to, how to do it. Um, it's you know something that you can take the electronic version and and still play around with it. It's actually something that. Um, in a totally different way, you have in common with the Doom that came to Christmas Town, because it also has a crazy bunch of pregens in the back of the adventure, <laughs> and they're awesome. They're yes. like an actual reindeer. I, I can't even remember, but I was just laughing my stuff off the other day as I was uh, reading through. Like you, you've read this really funny adventure. You get to that, and then you have a bunch of pregens. So, like Christmas Town, you also got pregens in that. You guys. You guys, great minds. You also <laughs> lots of puzzles in both adventures. They both have some interesting puzzles going on. So yeah, I, I see some. Uh, I'm seeing some uh, 
definitely. So, but you know, maybe Marzio skews a little more Clark Ashton Smith. Mark goes a little more Jack Vance. You know, I mean, there's still some differences here and there, but you know. Yeah, I love Marzio's adventure, and I had the privilege of editing it. You know, so I was I was just laughing also the whole time through. Um, it's a great adventure, and um, yeah, just wonderful for the holiday. You know, itself, uh, it's just like it encapsulates everything. You know, from the the meta references and all the the TV shows. So uh, he did a really great job with that. You've got you've got a weird clock mechanic in Twilight. Yeah, which is also not only is I mean I nor not only do don't I want to get into it, but I also probably would get it wrong anyway. But it's tie as thing as time runs out and the t- clock advances, the sort of main NPC gets younger, which is a cool kind of inversion, right? Did I get it right? Yeah, it's um kind of. Yeah, this it's it's this the event is sort of like the you know you know end of the world beginning of the world sort of thing you know so it's it's kind of culminating in those those two things happening together and the PCs are of course thrown into this and have their minds addled you know by the uh, the circumstances they're thrown into but yeah it's um it's intended to be sort of an homage to you know a lot of different references but you know especially like the the idea of like the ten thousand year clock which is like this cool concept where people are building you know this enduring sort of you know structure that's intended to be you know uh, accessible even 10,000 years from now when who knows what humanity or or the planet looks like and so it has this idea of you know just in, enduring and sort of at the end of that period here's this great you know uh, event that happens um but yeah I, I think it's um I I think you know back when I was writing it, I had a lot of ideas and I threw <laughs> ideas into it. I would probably edit myself a little bit more if I was, you know, um, you know, writing it now, just because I think there's a lot there that can um, complicate running it, you know, and, and like you said, it, it's one of those things that you could run um, over a long, long, multiple sessions, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing and um, have fun with it. But it's a, a little daunting, I think, for, you know, first first time folks uh, to get into it. At least that's my my experience. Well, it's a it's a fourth level, and that's so, true. Yeah, you know, you should be kind of getting comfortable, maybe. But I think you really science it up in a lot of places too. Like, there's a lot of like, um, you know, theoretical stuff, as well as just like hard stuff, uh, hard science, hard astrophysics, physics stuff in there, which is kind of cool. Stuff that we would now recognize if we were exposed to, say. Uh, some of your writing for the tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> well, and oh, I, I also noticed, I also noticed uh, I, there was a passage in there, Mark, that was like in the same paragraph, you use the words gormless and mithridatic. And, and, and I was like, oh, no. are you, I'm like, are you already kind of leaning into dying earth stuff at this point? Because I was like, that's, that was so advancing and just the, it's not necessarily like all written like that, but just that little part was like, wow, that went full Vance for like uh, about, so were you, was that in your mind already at that point? You know, it was one of those early sort of notes. I either got it from, Harley or from Joseph when I was like kind of getting my legs going on this adventure one of them you know said 
you at least want to throw one word in there that's new to the the reader, right? That you have something that is a definite Harley thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was, I took that advice and I was like, oh, that's great advice. I want to make sure that I replicate that somehow. So I I think I started that with, um, with Twilight and then I really just sort of embraced it, especially with the Vancian stuff. You know, that was sort sort of like the opportunity to really go, you know, and do that on a more extensive level. But I think it's really good advice, you know, just in terms of, you know, going back to the original Dungeons and Dragons, you know, a lot of when I was reading as a kid, I would have to pause or, you know, get entranced by these words, you know, the charisma and, you know, the, you know, those kind of things that you saw in there that I had never encountered in other literature or writing at the time. And so that's part of what, you know, I want to carry that forward. But it was really based on that advice that I think Harley gave me um, when I was, uh, you know, reaching out for you know, different perspectives on writing for, uh, for Goodman games. Hmm. You, you got nuggets like that. And I got nuggets like by Wednesday. (laughs) I mean, that's painfully true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I kid, I kid the dark master. Okay. Um, can we like refit this to fit into dying earth? Hmm. I hadn't thought of that. I think that there are there are we, certain we things. We need a Vancey and Holiday adventure, right? You could do a Vancey and Holiday version of this. Like an, yeah, I I would love to see this adventure with the Vancey and or the Dying Earth classes. You know, I think that would be kind of a fun, you know, take on it. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if it would go better or worse for the uh, <laughs> for the characters, but a fourth level magician is pretty powerful, you know, and, yeah. and has access to a lot of the resources that, you know, even a fourth level wizard doesn't. So, yeah, that might be might be fun to do. Okay, uh, and but I gotta say again, I'm sorry to harp on Vance, Mark, but <laughs> there's you even have it. You literally call it force of will for the scratch off mechanic. I, I didn't recognize that until uh until you brought it up. I was like, oh wow. wow. I was already thinking of it <laughs> long ago. But it was it was totally unconnected. You know, it was one of those things that, you know, the concept, you know, you're trying to will yourself into remembering who you are, right? You know, this this sort of overcoming this magical, you know, barrier that's been placed on you. It's I got a lot in in similar to the, you know, the uh, the chapters in Dying Earth that reference, you know, the magician's will, you know, trying to just force magic onto the world. So it's very similar. Uh, I but I hadn't made that connection at all until I went back and reread Adventure so long ago. Oh, no, that was just cracking me up when I saw that. I was like, wow, even force of will, Mark, really even? Okay. Uh, now I know where I, I robbed myself for my future projects. Of just going back to the earlier stuff I wrote. How, how, tell us, you, you're a puzzle guy. I, I hope you don't mind me saying a little bit. Um, just having worked with you, just having collaborated and working on the tournament and that kind of stuff. You know, just give give me a nugget of wisdom, if you would. How, you know, how do you approach puzzles? How do they come to you? Do you do you sit down and and you're like you, you get in a dark room and you think about it for 45 minutes or or do they, you know, are you trying to get the gum out of the wrapper and it won't come out of the wrapper and you're just like, wait a minute, you know, this is like a, you know, that's kind of a stupid one, I, but you know I what think, I'm saying. Yeah, all my approach to, especially like encounters or like heavy, like puzzle heavy things is always like, it. it's a very much a, uh, it takes a, it's a process, you know, and just in terms of I come up with some, some negative idea, 
and I have to really ruminate on it. I like I I I probably can't write something down in, unless I've like sat with it for a couple of weeks, just thinking within the back of my head. And that's really how I form my ideas. And then I start, you know, putting down on paper with puzzles. I, you, you say I'm a puzzle writer, but I find myself, what I do is write the most complex puzzle, you know, that is utterly unplayable, unsolvable. And then I have people like Terry say, Mark, just, you got to simplify it. Otherwise, nobody's going to be able to solve this. I get where you're going. And so it's really this editing process I find, you know, and, and having somebody on that outside is where I think I find the best, you know, approach to making puzzles. And in the absence of that, I usually lean way too heavy into something that's in my mind that I'm, I have a clear concept of trying to put that on, on the page. But when, it, when the players encounter it, they don't have the same reference points or, or framework and it often becomes a very frustrating exercise for them. And so I think really the key for for good puzzle writing is to have that outside perspective, like an editor almost, right? But, you know, in the tournaments, we have, you know, Terry and Harley who can kind of weigh in and say, you know, this is going to be hard. Let's streamline it. You still can keep the core concept, you know, and that's where I have to like really kind of refocus and and write things. And so, yeah, I, lo I love writing puzzles. It is like a, a, I think I lean very heavily on like the, make it complex you know side because i want to challenge the players but the players need to have fun and i think that's where you know it's valuable to get that kind of you know input and feedback from a, a third party <laughs> so. oh yeah yeah for sure and a, and a judge too right because it's like if if he's you know if the judge he she resource person is like Oh my God! I know that my players are going to bomb this. Then you know r right away that's your your yeah. We gotta we gotta simplify this a little bit because you know half the people just want to you know axe heads open, and the other half the people you know want to make things happen. And but but it is that beautiful moment, especially like you met reference in tournaments. What what'll happen is that people will get like that clue sheet, you know, the handout. And you'll have like one person sort of like taking copious notes off to the side, just like working that puzzle while the rest of the party is, you know, deliberating what to do. And, you know, how do they approach this? Maybe they're bringing out their their axes and trying to hack away at, you know, whatever impediment is there. And it's that brilliant moment when somebody's got that, aha, I figured it out. And they go up and, you know, solve the solution after spending 30 minutes, an hour or whatever it is. And it, and And those are like really wonderful for the puzzle lovers, right? You know, because it's obviously... Mm that speaks to a certain type of player and you know when that reward happens and they are the ones that the, is the hero rather than you know the the mighty fighter or you know coming in and slaying something or the magician or the wizard you know casting and spell burning a lot it's that that puzzle you know solver that that becomes the the highlight in the you know the, of the adventure i love that because that's something that you know it's it, it does speak to a certain type of player and what their interests are well, yeah, you you are there for them both as a a tournament writer and a tournament guru, and uh, and as a reg as a module writer in Twilight of the Solstice. So, um, yeah, well played, guys. Um, my my last question is easy. Mark, give me a favorite holiday adventure. Uh, it's the Old Gods Return. Um, mm. That's the first one and the, the second DCC game I ever ran. Um, mm. it, it was uh, just a lovely experience. You know, I've always had the highest regard for Michael and his uh, Michael Curtis and his his, his works. Um, you know, that was just one that um, it captivated me as this idea of, you know, 
the 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 cold north and the you know the the holidays or symbols that are around it but the way he interpreted all that and put it into a playable adventure um yeah i just had a great time running that and it's one of those things that you know i always remember fondly because it was such an early um you know judge uh experience for me it was the second place um uh holiday adventure on that facebook poll Mm. and a dm Kojo, once again, all-star, Spellburn listener, uh, had noted that it's a great way to start start a regular campaign adventure. And- yeah, I, I did um, Frozen in Time as a funnel, and then the characters immediately got into The Old God Returns, which was this Ooh, nice, nice. Like, sort of linking them up. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. A, it was a lot of fun. I think Twilight Sol- Solstice could work well within you know a campaign yeah, it's got another sort of frozen you know uh mm. forlorn north sort of feel to it as well yeah you could just do a whole campaign only holiday adventures would be <laughs> yeah, you could that'd, that'd be pretty cool there's a lot i, I will rem- i will say i remember reading that adventure and um just it was early on and i would i can't remember if i had done any writing for goodman yet but i was like Okay, so here's just a random adventure, and it's not even very long. And you're and like, it takes place on the top of a floating iceberg, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you, you're not going to town, and there are some goblins hiding in some caves in the field or whatever. It's like, yeah, we're you know, here's a floating iceberg, and it's like, okay, this is yeah, we're we're gonna try to kind of yeah. up the game here a little bit in terms of what we're doing with you. So I yeah, I appreciated that from the from the get go. Um, and I know we're getting long in the tooth on this episode, but I think we've talked a lot about Goodman Games adventures, but there's a bunch of third party stuff mm-hmm. too. Yeah. That we should kind of list off and go through, and then we can maybe close this sucker out. Yeah, do it. All right. So I did, uh, I went out and did a lot of uh, research and uh, searching and whatever. Uh, some some came from the Facebook poll, people putting in their stuff, but uh, The Perils of Cinder Claws by. Uh, Daniel Bishop uh, from Purple Duck that has the thing in the chimney and the nexus of Yule. There's the Brimstone Cradle by Stefan Surratt from Dragon Peak. Uh, that's a weird frontiers adventure. Uh, the World Quest for the Winter Calendar, which is a Judge Julian and Steve Bean uh, joint. My my uh, first game, and it has a Jenga encounter in it. That's all I'm going to say. Actual Jenga <laughs> encounter. Using to be done with Jenga. Brilliant. Uh, uh, Escape from Yule Mountain by David Beatty from Sanctum Media. And then... Um, that has very heavy Krampus overtones. Mm. Nice. Mm. And then if you consider Die Hard a Christmas uh, film, uh, then I guess you have to consider Fay Hard uh, by yours truly <laughs> as, as a holiday adventure. <laughs> who does that publish through? Shinobi 27, David Fisher. Nice. Nice. Very I nice. Love this scene. I love the third party scene so much. It's crazy. It's it's weird that there's like almost as many third party games. And I feel like there's still some holidays we haven't hit. I was, you know, I thought of doing like a Hanukkah adventure and then I was like, eh, it seems like it might be a little dicey. But I did put a Hanukkah encounter in Home for the Holodeath in the department store. I did put one little Hanukkah encounter. <laughs> you know, that could be fun. Um, guys, uh, any other thoughts on puzzles, 
how well-groomed Marzio is, holiday adventures, anything else that we got to hit here? Um, when's our next show? Our next show is Monday, December 18th. We've got an extremely special third-party guest, a guy that I've been trying to land for a long time. It's going to be super fun. Um, is a high volume of material for us to study up. So we're going to hit the books and come back uh, pretty quick. And then we'll get six weeks off and we're going to return in the end of January with a purplish type of episode, I believe is our big plan. So um, welcome James to the fold. Thank you so much, um, Marzio and Mark, for being with us today. We really appreciate you uh, and your time and your holiday adventures and your pre-gens in the back of your holiday adventures very much. Uh, mega thanks to Glitter Wizard, Loot the Body, and St. Karloff for permission to use their music. Um, and, of course, uh, it's going to you know, we've got this up on Spellburn.com and Spellburn.net. And we have a new working email account, SpellburnBand at gmail.com. So uh, drop us some emails. And, Aaron, uh, we miss you. We love you, buddy. Thank you.